This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Insider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. I don't think I can say this enough, but the Miami Dolphins are above 500, and I am going to enjoy every single second of it. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. It's that time of the year. It's late December. It's time to reflect. So, Josh, as we approach the end of the season here, man, seven-game losing streak, seven-game winning streak, what a crazy ride it has been. What a crazy ride, man, and this thing isn't even over. I mean, let's be honest, it's written like a movie this weekend going against Ryan Tannehill toe thumbs, our former quarterback, what better way than to, you know, potentially continue our path, path to the playoffs than going through Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Josh. And before we get into that, uh, some sad news came out yesterday. John Madden passed away at 85 and uh, it's kind of uh, interesting uh, when you kind of look back at John Madden's career, some people know him as a legendary coach. Some people know him as a legendary player. Some people know him as the cover of Madden. It's just kind of crazy what this guy has meant, not only to just football, but sports in general and how you kind of can intertwine, you know, the, the video game atmosphere, the the nerd culture and the jock culture. And boom, there's Madden. Yeah. Think- boom. There. Boom. <laughs> boom. 
I, lo- I love that. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where I was at. I remembered him as the legendary coach, but I mean, I definitely, most of my memories were playing Madden. I think someone, I think it was the official site posted a picture of all the covers, dude. I remember playing mm-hmm. every single one of those. So I'm that old, but rest in wow. peace, John Madden, you will leave your legacy behind. I mean, uh, you know, we have our Don Shula, John Madden's as good of a coach as any. So RIP man, you will be missed. I think it was Dante Culpepper, 2003, maybe for think the so. GameCube. Yep, I remember something. GameCube. That, yep, that was my fr- that was the first one I actually bought. Like there, I I had a Sega, and like I'd randomly have games appear at my house. I don't know how they got there, and I knew they'd only be like a dollar. So I don't, I don't know yeah. how those transactions happened. But I'd have like Madden like 94, and I'd be like, what do I do with this? I I, I don't want to play this. I don't know any of these people. EA would give you what like a hey penny for that. I mean, I, I think I <laughs> I think I started playing in 92, and then I eventually got the old ones, but. Dude, it's just been crazy how long Madden's been around. And I think the game that stuck out most to me was the one with Ray Lewis on the cover. I think it was 2005. They were going against ESPN NFL 2K5 at the time, but that's when they introduced the, the hit stick. That was probably the Madden that sticks out most. But, dude, what a legacy he's left behind, and uh, he will definitely be missed. Yeah, it's just always so cool to see someone who can uh, make us all laugh and make us all appreciate something as much as he does. And that's kind of something we all strive to do, whether it's cooking food, whether it's podcasting, you know, he is that light you want to see in any sort of profession. 100%. And he just had a documentary come out. So make sure you check that out because it gives you an entire story on his past and it's definitely worth a watch. So again, last time we'll say it, man. RIP John Madden. All righty, Josh. The amount of days, the amount of nights. I spent on Twitter. I actually gained a decent following in this being one of the uh, Ryan Tannehill truthers, if you will. One of the guys who's always stood Tana in his goat. corner. <laughs> you know, he needs an offensive line, right? Uh, you know, Mike Wallace doesn't play well or play hard enough. And that's why Tannehill can't complete deep balls. That was, what, nine years of our life. And he is coming back to ruin one more as the Dolphins and Titans are playing this week. So, Josh, I think before we get into our preview show that will come out, man, I don't know. What's the, is today Thursday? So we'll try to do a Friday. Thursday. Yeah, we're going to try wow. to do a, a New Year's Eve special episode. But yeah, <laughs> you know how we best. work sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here it goes, man. I mean, if the. I've seen the stories coming out about if the Dolphins uh, lose, how there's still ways they can get to the playoffs. They, they don't have room for errors. You lose to the Falcons. You lose to the Jaguars. These, you know, last second prayers go out the window. So, man, Ryan Tannehill week, can you kind of write the more, uh, I don't want to say cliche book, but uh, I guess cliche book is, is this. Yeah. And what's that? Isn't there like a Batman Dark Knight quote where it talks about, you know, being the hero and turn into the villain or whatever? Is that not exactly what Ryan Tannehill is here? I mean, mm-hmm. we all remember those days spent on Twitter arguing with an egg and all the different people throughout, you know, every up and down start that Ryan Tannehill had. But man, it's just crazy. That's coming down to Tua versus Ryan Tannehill. And you have it written down here, Ryan Tannehill week. I mean, you hear in the pressers, they're asking the Dolphins, you know, why did you eventually move on from Ryan Tannehill? I don't know about you, Jake, but I kind of want to throw that question out there as we talk through this. I mean, I know Ryan Tannehill had seven seasons with the Miami Dolphins. I know we all wanted nothing more than to move on from him and, you know, to, to hopefully, you know, have what the success we're having now. But can you just in picture 2019 instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill? I mean, they basically gave him away to Tennessee, paid that salary, let him go to the Titans and have success there. So I'm in love with Tua. I, I like everything he's done. But part of me always looks back at that 2019 season. They brought in veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why didn't this coaching staff just give Ryan Tannehill maybe one more chance? And who knows what could have happened? Josh, I'm going to give you a little hint of what would have happened. Um, who led the Miami Dolphins in rushing yards in 2019? Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
<laughs> so what I see here is this wild card back there in Fitzpatrick making the, you know, the chicken salad out of the chicken, you know what, where Ryan Tannehill, man, uh, the biggest theme I think going into this weekend and the thing I'm most excited to see, I don't know if there's a quarterback who's more sackable, who doesn't have that pocket presence. And I think that might've been the biggest thing in 2019. It's just, you know, you know, you need things to be pretty perfect around him. You need to have that running game because you're going to need to do some things like Fitzpatrick did, which is, you know, break out of that pocket and, and make something happen where, man, I remember there were a lot of times where Tannehill former wide receiver. Wow. I know he can run fast. Wow. We know, uh, but he wouldn't always use that to his advantage. There were times where we saw him just kind of run with the line of scrimmage, just trying to huck a ball downfield instead of taking those six and seven yards. And this is really nitpicky. It's usually a team hard resets on the franchise and, you know, we'll bring in a different quarterback. Uh, you're going to go fight with Marcus Mariota, but I think that would be a big struggle for the dolphins in 2019 is just the Tannehill experience is just kind of, um, you know what course you're heading towards, and it's usually seven and nine or somewhere towards that. I know that's what the Dolphins did, but the Fitzpatrick wild card was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, thanks for talking me out of that because there are just times, you know, when you're that <laughs> sad Dolphins fan and you're just running yep. all these what ifs in your head. And I just continue to think, you know, what if, you know, they're sitting here saying all these great things. Flores is talking about what he needs in a franchise quarterback and basically saying everything that Ryan Tannehill possesses, but for whatever reason, they decided to part ways. I think we all agree it was the right decision, but just crazy that now he's coming back. And I thought you were going to mention him. You said he was the most sackable. I mean, I thought he was going to say he's the most vulnerable right now because he doesn't have his nook nook. I mean, he's kind of like a baby without his blanket. I mean, he doesn't have Derrick Henry. We can be honest. I mean, um, we saw what Ryan Tannehill needed everything around him to be perfect um, without Derrick Henry. I mean, is he still leading the league in rushing somehow, Jake? I mean, the guy hasn't played in like six weeks and for the longest time he was still like leading the league in rushing and yards after contact and all that crazy shit. So um, I'm very happy that we're not playing Derrick Henry, but I think Tannehill is going to be a sitting duck back there as we've all learned throughout his time in Miami. And Josh, did you see the poster that the Titans posted about, uh, you know, maybe a Derrick Henry return? Did you see that? Did you get a little spooked? I, I saw that. I got a little spooked, but then I looked through some of the replies and I think Twitter decided or decoded that it wasn't him. <laughs> it was actually someone else. So I don't, I don't know if that was Derrick Henry or not, but I've been told that he was not going to be playing this weekend. So um, I mean, I guess that's one of those things I'll wait to see before I believe, but Crazy, man. Just just absolutely wild that we're sitting here, you know, two games left of this season after the season that we had talking about a must win game against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans without Derrick Henry. It's just it's just wild, dude. Yeah, Josh. So I, I have some Tannehill stats here that I kind of just wanted to bring to the light. He was sacked nine times back in 2018. It was a 14 or a 41-17 loss to the Vikings. I remember that. I think I think Stefan Diggs actually torched the Dolphins then too. I think they got torched over the top time and time again. Uh, he was sacked seven times in four different games, all losses. He won a six sack game, however, a 31-17 win over the Colts back in December 2019. And Josh, he was sacked five times in a win over the Falcons and in a win over the Bills, both while in Miami, the Deion Sims diving in the back of the end zone game. It's sad that these are like my shining memories of like being a, a growing up Dolphins fan. But hey, here, here we are. That's what you get for being young still and not looking like <laughs> uh, a corpse or something. I, I don't know about you, man. I wanted to talk about my favorite throw because I actually went back and looked at some. I think it was like a vine I had of it back on Twitter, dude. This thing looks so bad. You couldn't even it looked like it was in standard def, like dial up was trying to load this thing. But it was against the Steelers. Thank yeah, it was against the Steelers. I think he like started. He got hit and flushed out of the pocket, rolled left and just heaved one downfield. I think it was to Marquise Gray. I, I told you I looked it up. and I'm still not even sure <laughs> who he threw the damn ball to. But I think you remember what pass I'm talking about. It was like cross yep. body. 
I, it was just unbelievable. And I even tweeted out, you know, only so many people in this world can make this throw. So, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill had his ups and downs, but he's a pretty damn good quarterback when everything around him is good. But uh, I think we can probably say it about a lot of these NFL quarterbacks, right? Josh, that is like the biggest key here. And it's going to be exciting to see what this Miami Dolphins defense is going to do against Tannehill. Uh, Julio Jones, I believe, is on the COVID-19 list. We'll kind of dig into that stuff a little bit more in tomorrow's show, especially considering every day it seems AJ like... AJ Brown you know, looks scary as hell, though, didn't he, on Sunday? Holy oh, my God. Or was that Saturday? Whatever day that was. You know what I mean. He looked... <laughs> I'm excited to see Byron Jones and Xavier Howard against that because I do think it's going to be a situation where... AJ Brown's going to win some matchups, right? Then it's going to be up to, you know, whether it's Ryan Tannehill finding him, whether that pass rush can get to Tannehill before AJ Brown can get open. But um, I think this might be a game where the Dolphins offense might need to score a little bit more. I'm not saying, you know, Tannehill is going to run up, uh, you know, the, the numbers on him, but I think that the way the Dolphins defense plays, I mean, they're going to hit Tannehill in the face and he's going to throw a ball deep downfield. Pick your poison. It's something's going to happen there. I just don't know what yet. Yeah, did you throw out that stat about the Dolphins having 45 sacks? I like I zone out sometimes, but I, I don't know if you threw that out there. Oh, you man. Yeah, Dolphins are Josh, you brought up this really interesting <laughs> stat here. That's wow. Tell me more about the Dolphins yeah. with 45 sacks. Yeah, let me tell you about that awesome stat. You just have written down here that they're leading the NFL with 45 sacks, ranking 10th in takeaways. And I mean, you just mentioned Xavier Howard versus AJ Brown, you know, whether they match up Byron Jones perhaps on him. I mean, it's just going to be fun to watch, and I just can't get over just um, what a meaningful game means at this point. You have written down here through the first seven weeks of the year, Miami was last in the NFL in yards allowed per game with 414.9 and 31st in scoring and third down percentage, allowing opponents to convert 51.6% of the time. They were also 28th in defensive EPA. Josh, and how things have changed, you face guys like Ian Book and Mike Glennon, and I've seen people on the internet getting mad, like, hey, like, who cares what the Dolphins are doing? Ian Book was ranked better on PFF, wasn't he? (laughs) Oh, I saw people getting (laughs) really mad about that. So, like, I understand, like, it's it's kind of bullshit, but at the same time, everyone finds the stats. It's like we sit here and wave completion percentage all of a sudden as the highest, most touted thing in the world. But, like, it's just the stat that makes their quarterback seem the coolest. And I'm not saying that Ian Book uh, should have been ahead of Tua, but I just think that sometimes the way stats are... Uh, looked at or viewed, you could say, like, hey, I think the PFF had Tua having five uh, interceptable balls or something like that. And hey, if he has that, that's going to ding his grade a lot. And it did seem like there were, uh, you know, a few of those old Tua plays where it was, you know, gun it into the linebacker's chest. Yeah, I, it just was so wild to me to think that Ian Book was ranked higher. But we always say, get you know, riled take, up. I want to hear it. No, give, I, give, I mean, give me your speech. I, I, was, I wasn't that upset about it. I just, I mean, we say it all the time with PFF. Take it with a grain of salt. I just find it hilarious. You know, not so much that they had Ian Book ranked higher than him, but you know, whatever it is, whether it, Tua could have a bad week if he's ranked above Mac Jones. You know, everyone's throwing that stat out there. If ranked above Herbert, you know, it means everything. But exactly. now that they have Ian Book ranked above it, you know, it's uh, crazy. And PFF needs to be shut down and and none of their stuff taken seriously. So I just have to laugh. No one thinks Ian Book played better than Tua Tagovailoa because the Dolphins got that W, and that's really all that matters. Josh, let's take a quick timeout to regroup. On the other side, before we get out of here, we'll dive into the roster moves we already know about going into Sunday's game against the Titans. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, 
It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jake, before we get into some of the actives and inactives or some of the players put on the COVID-19 list, let's talk about Jerome Baker. He was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Month for the month of December. Uh, 16 tackles, six tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks. He joined Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and Cincinnati Bengals kicker Evan McPherson as the AFC's top players. The NFC winners were Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, Rams defensive lineman Aaron Donald, and Atlanta Falcons punter Thomas Morstead. But Jake, with how well his defense has been playing, Jerome Baker to be the Defensive Player of the Week of the Month for the AFC, that's pretty big, man. Yeah, it's exciting to see because you think about that. Not only is he someone who was drafted by the Dolphins, third round pick who worked his way up there a little bit, but they just gave this guy a contract extension this offseason. And you really expected him to come in, be that leader, be that captain on the defense. And he has certainly been that. You know, you ask about the defense, you know, how are they going to, you know, improve this unit going forward? You look at the linebackers, but whatever they do, I think Jerome Baker is one of those top three or four linebackers just because he's such a flexible piece. He's so talented. He can cover line, uh, running backs. You know, a lot of people will see him, you know, make tackles on running backs after they catch the ball and they'll wonder, you know, why did they let him get free? But the way the Dolphins play defense a lot of the time is, if they're going to catch it, just make sure you don't let them get the extra yards, right? Make them get, you know, four five, six first downs in order to reach the, you know, red zone and eventually the end zone. And I think Jerome Baker does such a good job of keeping football in front of him. It sounds so cliche, but I think that's where he really shines. And that's why he's like that, you know, Brian Flores piece that, uh, you know, you've seen on Belichick defenses that just keeps everything so um, intact, I guess, on that side of the football. Yeah, Jake Baker signed a three-year contract extension worth $39 million back in June. But I think the thing that sticks out most to me is just how he's kind of elevated his game. I remember two years ago, you know, everybody on Twitter would have those little things they'd fill out with like most overrated, most underrated player. I remember saying mm-hmm. Jerome Baker at one point because I remember this fan base just believing that he was this worldly talent. I put him as overrated. Now look at him, man. He's underrated by many aspects. I mean, the guy just doesn't get enough credit, I guess. I'm saying that as he's now AFC Defensive Player of the Month. But um, I just love the way he's taking his game to the next level. I mean, the way he's blitzed come off the edge as a pass rusher. I mean, over the last year has been impressive and just some of the stuff he's been able to do in coverage has impressed me more than what I thought before. And the dude's sideline to sideline range is unbelievable. So hat tip to him. But I guess the question would have been, Jake, is there anybody else on this defensive unit that maybe deserved this? I know people are talking about Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, obviously Xavier Howard's always in that discussion. And, you know, you could probably throw one of those safeties, Brandon Jones or Javon Holland out there, but um, I know, I don't know. Is, do any of those stand out as a clear cut favorite over Jerome Baker? I don't know if they do. Zach Steeler would be the interesting one to talk about just because I think you got to knock out the safeties just for the sake of, I think you would have to play every week in order to get this uh, award, this honor. Uh, So Zach Steeler, I see that. I think it was this week. He played like 76% of snaps, which was by far the most he's played this season. And I think that'd be the only reason you'd knock him. His numbers are great. The Dolphins defense, uh, 
around Sealer has been great. You can see what he does to manipulate offenses. Uh, but I think when you look back at him playing, you know, 38% of snaps, 43% of snaps, I think that might be the knock where you see Jerome Baker, man. He's a, he's a 98% of the snaps player. Yeah, I guess I should just name the entire defense because I was getting ready to say Andrew Van Ginkle mm-hmm. and Agba too. So, um, <laughs> you know, this entire defense over this last month deserves to uh, defensive player of the week nominee, but just pretty cool to see the Miami Dolphins getting that recognition. And again, when you're winning seven games, you know, it's a lot easier to be nominated for some of these awards. Some other news, Jake, for the Dolphins, the COVID-19 list, Miami activated tight end Seathan Carter, cornerback Justin Coleman, guard Robert Jones, offensive lineman Greg Manch, and linebacker Duke Raleigh from the reserve list. They added center Spencer Pulley to the practice squad. And they also placed defensive lineman Adam Butler, defensive tackle John Jenkins, safety Brandon Jones, and wide receiver Preston Williams on the reserve COVID-19 list. So, Jake, I think, you know, clear cut to me, the name that sticks out most is Brandon Jones. I mean, we talked about how Mm -hmm. important he was last week. I mean, I hope he's off this list, but any thoughts you have on these players being placed or coming off the list that could have an impact on this weekend's game against Tennessee? I have a hard time keeping up with the uh, free agent linebackers the Dolphins brought in. Specifically, you know, you have Duke Riley, you have Brennan Scarlett, uh, who was actually back at practice on Wednesday. That's kind of what I'm interested in because, uh, you know, you saw the new COVID protocols come out where they're basically cutting the time in half. So we're hoping that maybe these guys uh, will see pop up as asymptomatic and they'll be back sooner. But uh, Brennan Scarlett coming back and working with the Dolphins. I mean, that pass rush, we're going to talk about it time and time again. That's going to be the key to stopping Tannehill and the Titans offense breaking news that, you know, Tannehill has that pocket uh, awareness. But I want to see, you know, Brennan Scarlett, I thought he was playing with his hair on fire. I think he blocked a kick. Uh, a couple weeks ago before he got hurt. So having him back in the mix should just be another battery to put into that uh, monstrous defense we've seen. That might have actually been Duke Riley. I, th- I think you do. You might have had him confused. Yep. See, here we go. Mix yeah. him up. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just, he had, Riley has a crazy hair. That's no reason I know he stands out. Um, another thing you had written down here, Jake, and mentioned is uh, Malcolm Brown is designated to return. The Dolphins will have to decide this week whether to activate him off IR or keep him on the list for the rest of the season. He did practice each of the last two weeks. So the loaded running back unit, I mean, who knows what could happen in the, today's day and age? You know, you could have running backs pop up on a COVID-19 list, knock on wood, you know, over the next few days and needed Malcolm Brown. But Jake, I don't know, man. I won't want to take Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Gaskin, or Ahmed truly out of the lineup for a Malcolm Brown. But Again, I think we talked about last week, this Dolphins coaching staff must feel a lot differently about Malcolm Brown than we do. So definitely something to keep your eye on, but I don't think that the the Dolphins playoff hopes or chances will change one way or the other with Malcolm Brown in the lineup. Josh, I wonder, is Salvan Ahmed like a practice squad eligible? Because he's probably one of those guys who, if he was on the practice squad, he wouldn't necessarily get plucked. I mean, you can't take Lindsay off there, Uh, but with COVID, uh, the COVID issues, man, having someone like Malcolm Brown just in your back pocket would be pretty nice. I think, what was it, week one, he did have like a 27-yard run for a touchdown. He's a veteran. He's a professional who you'd rather have in the lineup than not unless he's, you know, running a shotgun one-yard run on fourth down. But I digress. So, Josh, they might have to do a little bit of uh, maneuvering with this roster. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if they maybe just kind of put Malcolm Brown on the IR for the rest of the year, seeing the depth they have at the position. But hey, man, who knows? We don't know anything when it comes to injuries, and especially when it involves this team, it's always somewhere in left field uh, and the sun's in your eyes. Sun's always in your eyes. And the only thing we do know, <laughs> the only thing we do know is that we should be back later this week with our hey. preview, right? We, we should be, right? I, I hope so. Segway, beautiful, yeah. man. Beautiful. We, we, we should be back later this week with our preview episode of the Miami Dolphins to a tongue of a low verse, Ryan Tannehill and the T- Tennessee Titans for SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Bounce.
That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the. 